0: As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Your Financial Mission. Walter here alongside Janine Theus, the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, and your financial commander, as we like to call her here on Your Financial Mission. Of course, if you don't know, Janine has... 21 years of experience as a naval intelligence officer and she's carried that mentality into the financial world where she gives you the straight skinny on your financial plan so we've got some really good information on the way on today's podcast part one in a series on financially savvy grandparenting so we have assembled seven tips for how to be a financially savvy grandparent, how to pass on wisdom and information and guidance to the next generation so that your grandkids can grow up to be financially savvy adults and one day financially savvy grandparents as well. Leaving a legacy, Janine, is something that you often talk about with clients, but mostly from a financial perspective. Today, we're talking about leaving more of that mental legacy, leaving a, a different kind of impact on that next generation, but it can be just as important as the financial element.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's very important that if you're considering leaving money in any form or vehicle, that you start talking with kids and educating them along the way so they understand what the money is and the purpose for the money, r- rather than just dumping a bunch of money at kids. Yeah, uh, you know, especially later on. So it's really important that not only do you, should you ha- be aware of the different vehicles to do this, but how they should work in the overall plan. It's very important for grandparents to understand that what the vehicles are in order to to leave a legacy, but that it's equally or if not more important to begin educating. Mm. Grandchildren as to what these what money is how it works et cetera, and not just shelling out twenties and fifties and whatever and <laughs> money whenever they need it
0: right right
1: <laughs> or think they need it.
0: <laughs> so that'll be the theme of our discussion today. Uh, we have about seven tips for how to become a financially savvy grandparent. Before we get to tip number one, Janine, do you get asked these kinds of questions in the office frequently? Like, hey, how can I teach my it, maybe it's kids more often rather than grandkids, but how can I teach so-and-so about this or how can I pass this information on to my family? How can I help them you know, learn more like I'm learning here in the office with you?
1: It's a really interesting situation. Some people do want to leave money to kids and grandkids. Some folks say, I paid for college and that's their legacy. Okay, but as soon as, I am just guarantee you, as soon as grandchildren come along, it's a different conversation <laughs> because... Most people have an interest in the future, the future generation. So I think it's really important to understand that your feelings may change as these children come along and that your views will change in terms of how much you'd like to, the legacy you'd like to leave, how much you'd like to help. And so do you gift now? Do you gift later? How do you set things up so that it's advantageous for all concerned? So those are some of the conversations that I have with clients.
0: And so uh, let's dive into the tips here and uh, get going because I think this will be a fun discussion. So, tip number one is don't underestimate the power of the Roth IRA and anybody who's close to retirement is probably like, okay, well that advice certainly makes sense for me. I've heard lots about Roth IRAs and that sort of thing, but if we're talking about grandkids, why are we talking about Roth IRAs? What say you, Janine?
1: Well, it's, everyone knows that Roth is after-tax contribution and then it is it grows tax-deferred and it comes out tax-free, so the money is never taxed. The sticky point here is that for yourself or your spouse, there's no required minimum distribution for a Roth. So you can leave the money in forever and then pass it on to a beneficiary. But a non-spousal beneficiary must take a distribution. And so you just need to be aware of that. Roths are great for tax-deferred growth. So if that is the objective is to put an amount of money into a Roth and have it grow and then leave it for a child or grandchild. That's a great vehicle to do it in. It's just that if Congress makes the rules, they can always change the rules, and they may change distribution rules, which they did when they said non-spousal beneficiaries must take a distribution at some point. So Roths are great, there are a couple other vehicles and we'll talk about them with when we so the next tip is about college savings because a lot a lot more people ask me about college savings mm. and 529 plans so the issue 529 plans which of course are education plans will count against a child's aid applying for aid scholarships grants because any money put into a child's name is going to be considered 100% when they're doing the, the FAFSA calculations for grants and scholarships. And you can, if you put a lot of money in a 529, you can sometimes eliminate a scholarship possibility or grant possibility. So what I, mm. I'm i not a big fan of 529s, even though they are pre-tax and tax-deferred. And if you use them for education, they're tax-free. What, another vehicle to maybe consider is a life insurance policy because you can stash a lot of cash there It's always tax-free in its use. And if you build it correctly, you can use it as a Roth and as a college savings plan. And if you don't need it for college, you can use it for other things, which you cannot do with a 529. Mm. So there are these different instruments that will allow you to do things for the next generation or two. It's just what are you trying to do and how much flexibility and control do you want to have? So um, I'm very cautious with 529s because 2008 proved detrimental to a lot of 529s because of the way they were positioned. Mm. And so kids that were starting college that year, that fall of 2008, whose 529 contribution amounts were cut in half, that was a significant hit for those families. So there are a lot of things to consider when you start looking at intergenerational planning.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like fitness. The 90s were all about bulk, but now we're all about flexibility. So, you know, a more flexible plan is what you want, you know, these days. And you don't get that with the 529 plan. doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad idea for everyone, but certainly understand that there are other options out there that might be a better fit for how you're planning and what you're thinking about. I've never liked plans like that that kind of penalize you for being a good saver seems kind of right. the opposite of the mentality that we want to create. A similar example, it doesn't have anything really to do with you know financially savvy grandparenting necessarily. But my wife, as you know, is in grad school. And we're just sort of looking at taking out some loans just to help with cash flow while she's in school versus trying to pay for school out of pocket, which you know in grad school, that can be a little difficult to do. And so we're just trying to navigate those waters. And we came across a program where she can commit, after school for like I think teachers do this a lot she's a nurse so there's programs like this out there where they'll pay back your loans for you if you sign like a two year commitment to work in her case this would be like if you work in a rural area they'll then pay you back on your loans as sort of, uh, you know, for receiving that commitment. But if you pay off your loans or ha- or graduate with no loans because you paid out of pocket, but still go and work at the same place that you would have, just eliminating, you don't, I guess you don't, you have no reason to go into the commitment now. You know, you can't get any assistance because you have no loans. You were good and paid all of your, all of your loans or didn't want to go into debt. And so it's like, just counterintuitive, you know, even if I made the commitment, you're not going to like reimburse what I paid for in school. You're only going to forgive the loans so it would behoove us to not pay early on any of our loans or to not pay anything for school and then try to you know get that commitment and that's just counterintuitive just doesn't seem to make much sense and it, I kind of feel like that about the 529 plan sometimes you're just not getting you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot by being a good saver and it's like why why would i do that
1: yeah and, and you know what then so that's a great point because if you if you go ahead and pay for the for the tuition Room and board, et cetera, and they do get the scholarship or they do get a program like that, or they, they go and work for a company that will reimburse them, why wouldn't you take advantage of that rather than you having to come out of pocket? Right. right. Um, another interesting point is that if you have a business, you can pay your children and through paying your children, pay the tuition Nice. <laughs> or pay the loan. Mm. So there are ways to do that. Now you're going to have to 1090, if they're adult children, you're going to have to 1099 them or, you know, pay them W-2 income or or whatever. I mean, there are several businesses. There are ways around that because that's how the code is written. I can pay my child to do X amount of services and that then he can take or she can take that money and pay down student loans. So a lot of people don't want to take student loans and my view of that is, the child needs or the grandchild needs to have skin in the game. And even if they're a great student and a you know diligent worker, skin in the game is very important because they have to learn to budget. They have to know they're on the hook. And I think that's very important, you know, in all because all financial transactions, a mortgage, a car payment, et cetera, a business loan, you're on the hook. yeah, so the the sooner you learn, That it's okay to be on the hook and and control that. It's very important. Even young children can learn that. So the Roth, the college savings, all of that's connected in terms of learning how money works. So our third point is, you know, find creative ways to help kids have an appreciation for saving and investing. That is role modeling. So you have to as a grandparent if my grandkids were coming over, okay, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to sweep the floor, mop the floor, <laughs> wash the <laughs> walls. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You know, let's create a bank. Let's let's talk about savings. You know, very simple, you know, if you're talking about investing, I don't you, we don't normally get into investing with the kids, but it's there's simple interest. You can teach them simple interest, compounding interest. That's a simple concept. There are all kinds of tools on the web you can use to see what compounding does. Yeah. And so and why it's important to save, but you have to start this early and part of the starting is the conversation. What is money? It's just a system of barter. It's what we agree on. You know, we got these little pieces of paper that have ones and fives and tens on them. <laughs> we all agree it's worth x amount of dollars. We call them dollars. You know. And then how does that exchange happen? Because kids sh- I've seen this over the years here in our area, where people just shell out money to their kids at the pool in the summer. And so the kids, you know, and I, I look at this and go, okay, you're doing this with a five-year-old. What are they going to expect when they're 16? So without some kind of connection to the value.
0: Hmm. I have a uh, a good story to help out here. Both sets of my grandparents are financially savvy, but there's one in particular who. Went to great lengths, took great strides to implement a lot of the things that we're talking about. Always called her Noni, which is uh, I think it's Italian for grandmother, but that's just what we've always called her growing up. Everybody, you know, calls their grandmother something, you know, yeah, mamma, papa, something like that. she's Noni, always has been. So Noni, very interestingly, actually didn't go to college until I think she was in her fifties, and went to Rutgers and wow. ended up first in her class after she graduated and became like vice president of a bank for the last 10 years of her working life. So, you know you, that just kind of paints the picture, I guess, for you know the kind of lady we're talking about here, right? Right. Very, very cool. And she has always been a big believer in trying to raise financially savvy grandchildren. So my two cousins and myself, the three of us, were always were kind of her her three closest grandchildren, I guess. And we'd always be together for you know at Christmas time and and uh, that that sort of thing. So she found a very creative way to help develop that appreciation for saving and investing, even at a really young age and then continued it for a long period of time. So she was never the the kind of grandparent that would do the twenty dollars, fifty dollar checks, you know, that that sort of thing. She for our entire lives, birthdays and Christmas, gifted stock but the way that she would do it is it would be very creative. So at Christmas, we would all get together and we would have well, – actually, I, I take it back. She did savings bonds for birthdays, and then stock was always the Christmas present. And at Christmas, what we would do is she would do a treasure hunt, and so she would hide clues because they, they were really big into travel, and they still do. They travel all over the world. They, do a, they just got back from Antarctica a couple of months ago. <laughs> Yeah,
1: (laughs) She sounds like a really awesome lady. Yeah,
0: she is. You you would love her. You would love her, no doubt about it. So they would always hide these items all over the house, little clues. And the three of us grandkids would have to go around, figure out the clue, find the next item, you know, like a little treasure hunt would work normally. And eventually we would then find the final gift which would be that year's stock. So it was a fun thing for us kids to do, and then we would open up the present and it would have the stock, and then there would be like a couple of little gifts that would surround the stock be related to it. So for example, now we did get a lot of Walt Disney over the year. So she would pick stocks that were interesting to children. So she would right. pick Walt Disney, Hershey, Harley Davidson. You know, it's just a couple of shares. So I mean, you can do this at any level, whether it be one share, ten shares, whatever your you know whatever your budget looks like it creates that appreciation that excitement the explanation of where the stock was and then our my parents would reinforce whenever the statements would come in the mail we'd look and see all right how's that Walt Disney stock doing and it would just it just builds that mentality very early on of having this appreciation for money being able to kind of see what it does but also the creativity of picking stocks that were really fun for kids to follow along with and and be interested in and that stock portfolio and the savings bonds from the birthdays growing up the savings bonds helped paid for the first year of school in, in college and uh, that stock portfolio assisted in a down payment on my first home you know what a cool legacy to leave both financially but also mentally to develop that appreciation. So I think there's a lot you can do in that space of being creative and, and being interesting. And that's that's my personal story of
1: That's a great story because yeah. one of the things that she did by making like a Walt Disney stock because everything kid related that Walt Disney did, you're also teaching them about capitalism, you know, commercial, yep. why it even matters and what the connection is.
0: Oh, when we were in the grocery store, we'd get the Hershey bar instead of the Mars bar because I was like, ah, I don't own stock in, I don't own stock in Mars. Put that back. Yeah, that's right. Dad would go that's to grab a little, you know, a little candy or something. No, put it back. Is it Hershey? We'd look on, and we'd look on the back. Nope, not made by Hershey. Put it back.
1: So, so, so did you leave the lights on and just tell them you had stock in the electric company? That's right.
0: That's right. That, well, that was always his. Was the save me a penny? You know. Yeah, that's right. So. So, you know, again, to recap our first couple of tips here, don't underestimate the power of the Roth IRA. Oh, by the way, uh, Noni opened a uh, Roth IRA in my name after high school graduation. And so throughout college, as I worked a couple of different part-time jobs, started contributing to that. So that was another legacy that she helped leave behind.
1: That was great. And, yeah, people do need to understand you need to have earned income. have a Roth. So that's important. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Understand how to help with college savings. There's more out there than just the 529 plans. Find creative ways to help kids have an appreciation for saving and investing. Those are our first three tips. Let's stop there for today, Janine. We're going to come back on the next podcast and hit the rest of our seven tips. So there's your first three ways to become a financially savvy grandparent so that you can raise the future generation to be savvy adults. We'll cover the next couple of tips on the next podcast. Uh, In the meantime, if you need to get in touch with Janine to talk about your financial situation or you have some stories that you'd love to share with us about how you've been a financially savvy grandparent, get in touch through the website, theuswealthadvisors.com. That's theuswealthadvisors.com. Or you can call 443 718 6311. That's 443-718-6311. We'd love to hear your feedback and your stories about how you've been a financially savvy grandparent potentially or how you benefited maybe from a financially savvy grandparent. All of those things are helpful in trying to learn more about the financial landscape and we enjoy sharing those stories here on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll have part two of financially savvy grandparenting next time on Your Financial Mission.